Welcome everybody uh, and thanks for joining us. Uh, today we will provide an overview of the changes that followed the revision of four Australian standards for bitumen and related materials for road making. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a communications officer at Austroads uh, and I will be moderating today's session. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to eldest past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. A little bit about our Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. Here's our structure. We use a program management approach to deliver our work. There are four programs and each is focused on an operational area of the road system. So the project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Transport Infrastructure Program, which is managed by Rose Gapi and coordinated by Lisa Steban. Um, a bit of housekeeping for today's session. Um, so our presenter will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. We record all our sessions uh, and you will receive an email uh, when the recording is available on our website. You can also search for Austroads in your podcast app. Today's presentation slides can be downloaded from the handout section, um, which you uh, can find on the right-hand side of your screen. There's also a questions section there, so please use it to send us your questions for the Q&A at any time, uh, at any time uh, during the webinar. Just simply type your question in the box and hit send. Uh, also, if you could let us know the slide number that your question relates to, that would be very helpful. Uh, you can also use that same box to let me know if you have uh, any technical problems. Just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your connection. So leaving the webinar, closing your browser and rejoining the session uh, via your registration link usually helps. And it gives me great pleasure uh, to introduce our presenter for today, Robert Urquhart. Uh, Robert is a principal technology leader uh, in the Future Transport Infrastructure Group at ARB. After obtaining his PhD in physical chemistry from the University of Melbourne, he worked in bitumen products uh, technologist and bitumen technical manager roles at BP Bitumen Australia between 1997 and 2010. During those roles, uh, he was responsible for developing and improving BP bitumen's range of bitumen, bitumen as emulsion, and polymer modified uh, bitumen products. Since 2010, Robert has been conducting research and contract work at ARB into the properties of uh, bitumen, bitumen as binders and their performance in sprayed seals and asphalt. Over the past 10 years, he was contributing to the revision, he has contributed to the revision of eight Austroads test methods and 12 Australian standards uh, relating to bitumenous product testing. Uh, welcome, Robert, and over to you. Thank you, Ekaterina. Thank you, Ekaterina, for the introduction. Basically, this webinar is a, a summary of a, of a two-year Austroads project, APT 6150. Uh, which supported me to give technical support to the Standards Australia CH025 committee. And during this project, we've updated a number of different standards. In terms of the webinar, I'll just briefly go through this slide here, which talks about uh, the different sections of the webinar. I'll firstly talk about 
the project background and aim of why we're updating the Australian standards. And as I said, the aim, basic aim was for me to provide technical support into updating standards related to bituminous products. Um, I'll also go through the Standards Australia revision process, which is quite complex and why it's taken a while for some of these standards to be updated. In terms of the standards that were updated during the project, there's um, three um, what I'll call binder test methods, um, softening point pen and kinematic viscosity that were updated. So I'll just basically go through what the major changes were for those. They, they have now been published by Standards Australia. We also updated what's called the cutter specification AS3568 um, during the project. So I'll go through that. The committee in the last few months have been updating some of the emulsion test methods, which are Australian standards. Um, they haven't been published yet, but I'll go through what the status is with those. And finally, a summary and the question and answer session at the end of the webinar. So in terms of the project background and aim, um, the project team, um, mainly comprised of the Ostroge project manager, John Ainoff, who's currently online from the Department of Transport. The technical lead for the project uh, was myself, Robert Urquhart from ARB, and the other project contributors were the other members of the Australian Standard CH025 committee, which I'll go into in one of the latest slides. This project was a little bit different from a, a standard Ostroge project in that there isn't a report that's produced. What was produced was public standards by um, Standards Australia. But there was a review team in terms of the Ostroge Bitumenous Surfacing Technical Group, uh, where I reported three times a year on updates um, to the project and obtained in input from Ostroge methods. And I also gave presentations about three times a year to the Ostroge Pavements Task Force as well. In terms of the um, CH025 committee, which is sort of the committee that's been assigned by Standards Australia to update these, um, these standards, uh, there's a number of members of the committee. There's a representative from Standards Australia, Andrew Mackay, who's delegated as the project manager for the project. We've had some others along the way. Um, Andrew's the latest one. And there's also a, an independent committee chairman, which for most of the project was Kim Nalen, who currently works for CPEE, and he's recently been replaced by Robert Basudel from the Department of Transport. The CHO25 committee um, contains a number of people from, from different states and represents both purchasers and users of um, bituminous products. In terms of the, the more user side, it includes myself, Stuart Dack from Ostroads, Ostab, Nick DeCreasy uh, as a representative of NADA to see if we get all the NADA things right. Greg White from the um, University of Sunshine Coast, which was representing the Australian Airports Association and Sue Tao um, from Transport from New South Wales, who was representing Ostroads. We also had earlier on in the project, Philip Harrington from WSP in New Zealand, who was representing NZTA. 
And even though he isn't on this current slide, um, Grant Bosmo in the early parts of the project, who now works for NZTA, also provided input into the standards. In terms of industry representatives, um, there's Jared Nanasalan from SAMI, uh, Sue Smith from Viva Energy and Nigel Preston from Viva Energy. And we also had a representative for industry in um, New Zealand, Sean Beasley from Higgins. So in terms of the background, there's, there's 33 current Australian New Zealand standards, which cover both more like national specification requirements, as well as testing requirements for bitumen and related materials, which are updated and reviewed by the CHO25 committee. In terms of those 33 current standards, um, four standards are national specification type documents. Um, one AS2008 specifies the properties of bitumen. Another one AS2157 specifies the properties of cutback bitumen. There's also one for bitumen and bitumenous emulsions, AS1160, and cutters, flux oils, AS3568. I'll talk about AS3568 a bit later on. And there's also 29 Australian standards that describe how tests should be performed on these materials. And that's been part of the main focus of the work that's been done. In terms of a bit bigger picture, um, the other types of binders that are using road constructions are polymer modified binders or PMBs. There are some Australian standards which can be used to describe the test methods done. For example, um, dynamic viscosity by Brookfield uh, can now be done by ASNZS 2341.4. And as a result of this um, project, um, softening point tests are now feasibly be able to done, be done by an Australian standard AS 2341.18 rather than the uh, older Ostrode method. In terms of PMBs, um, most PMB um, methods are Ostrode test methods. For example, AGPTT112, which is torsional recovery. Um, and most of the tests um, are Ostrode test methods. In terms of the national specification for PMBs, um, Ostrode's technical specification, ATS3110, another Ostrode's document supply of polymer modified binders is the national specification for PMBs. Now, in an ideal world, Australian standards should be either reconfirmed, which means the committee has a look at them and say, well, they don't need changing, or they're revised every 10 years. That doesn't actually happen, though. Um, over on the right-hand side, I've got a picture of the, um, the cutter specification, which was last updated in 1999. There's a number of issues that can occur if Australian standard is not current. Um, one of which is the specified materials or equipment can no longer be available. In the case of the, the cutter spec, the specified materials that were covered by the spec weren't always available. And some um, Australian standards, the equipment, you can't actually buy it anymore. So that's another problem that can happen. And in other cases, there can be a new improved piece of equipment that the standard doesn't let you use. That's the case of the softening point test that we'll talk about a bit later on. 
Another thing that we've noticed when you um, look through the standards is that the test methods may not represent best practice in terms of health and safety. They were written 20, 30 years ago um, and safety has improved over time. For example, a lot of the, the standards only let you use a mercury thermometer and the problem with a mercury thermometer is that the thermometer can break and you can get mercury all over the place, which is not very good. So in most of these standards, we've still allowed mercury thermometers because labs have still got them, but we've put in um, other options. It, if the Australian standard is out of date, it can be so bad that labs need to write in-house modified test methods of the standard because they can't follow it in order to meet NADA requirements. And as I said at the start of this, many of the Australian standards covered by CH25 haven't been updated for more than 20 years. So the project aim was to provide independent and balanced expert technical advice, including review of these standards during the period between August 2018 and September 2020. And also as part of the project, um, I also gave updates to the bitumen surfacing technical group and the pavement task force three times a year so that they were, um, and Australia's members were informed of what was going on in the project and they could also provide feedback into the update of the standards. And just as a matter of background, this project was an extension of a previous Australia's project which covered the same sort of things between July 2015 and July 2017. So that's the sort of background and aims of the project. Um, I'll go through each of the, the standards and, and just basically highlight the major changes that are made to each of them. They're not all the changes, otherwise I think you'd be completely bored if I told you every change. So I've just highlighted the, the, um, the most applicable changes. I'll split these into three different sections. One is what I've called hot binder test methods, which is um, tests that you'd either do on bitumen or PMBs, and they include kinematic viscosity, penetration, and softening point. Then I'll talk about the update to the national cutter specification AS3568. And the picture on, on the left right-hand side of the screen just shows you what one of the published standards look like, all these four standards have been published by Standards Australia. The other standards I'll talk about are ones that were underwent revision during the project, which are essentially three emulsion test methods, emulsion sieve residue, water content by Dean and Stark, and emulsion residue. So that's sort of the background and the, and the um, the standards we updated, I'll just go through the standards Australian revision process. This is a slightly busy slide, um, but basically the, the first part of the standards Australian revision process, which is blue up the top, is that you need to submit a project proposal to Standards Australia and that needs to be accepted. That typically involves the chairman writing a project proposal and getting letters of support from different members of industry. Once that's approved, the committee reviews the old document and prepares a revised draft, trying to look at all these old things and health and safety issues and stuff like that. Once that's been prepared, the draft is then sent to the Standards Australia's styling editor, 
who checks all the standards Australia rules and tells you when you can use should and shall and things like that. And that's normally a backwards and forwards process between the styling editor and the committee just to make sure the context of the standards stays the same. Once that's done, a draft is released for public comment on the Australian Standards website. There's one actually out at the moment, and that's normally released for public comment for two months. And any member of the Australian public can provide comments on the standard, and then all those comments are collated and sent back to the committee. The CH25 committee then addresses the public comments. And again, once that's done, it goes back to the styling editor to make sure all, all the rules are being followed. It's a backwards and forwards process. Once that's done, the final standard is put out to the committee and each member of the um, committee has to endorse it. There's actually a ballot and a vote and you have to say yes or no. Once that's done, the um, revised standard is published on the Australian Standard website. So that's the Australian Standards revision process. Um, I'll just go through the actual test methods and, and what's happened um, with each of them and the main changes. So the first three are the hot binder test method revision. That's penetration, softening point and kinematic viscosity. When we, the committee initially looked at these through standards, um, we found that they were quite similar in many respects to the equivalent ASTM standards. So we have an Australian standard for penetration um, and ASTM does. When we reviewed that, they were quite similar to each other. Due to these similarities, we couldn't use the standard process of updating a standard, which is just changed the text and updated it. Um, and due to copyright issues, we had to use what's called an adoption by reference approach. What that means is that we had to reference the ASTM standard and then basically write an Australian standard which uh, listed the differences um, between how you do it in Australia and the ASTM. So the Australian standard we've got basically of these three basically references the ASTM and the Australian standard basically says follow ASTM D5, except do this, that, this, that, and that. All the standards generally that we've updated for those health and safety reasons, we've included the option of using a thermometer or another thermometric device. So you don't have to use a thermometer. So you can use a thermocouple or a temperature probe as well as a thermometer for health and safety reasons. So I'll just basically go through the, um, the different hot binder test methods. The first one is AS2341.3, kinematic viscosity. I've got a picture of a, a kinematic viscosity tube over there. Basically, the concept of the test is you fill up that bulb with bitumen and then you time how long the bitumen takes to go through the marks under gravity and that's related to the viscosity. So this um, standard is now an adoption by reference of ASTM D2170, D2170M, and it's the 19 to 2018 version of the standard that we've referenced. We've referenced a specific year of the standards 
to cope with um, changes that ASTM might make. And we've, because we've referenced clauses in the Australian standards, if they change the ASTM, that makes it difficult. So we've referenced specific versions of the ASTM. This standard now references um, ASNZS 2341.21 for sample preparation. So it actually references a standard to prepare the samples where the old standard describes something about a temperature of pouring, which didn't really make sense. The other things that we've done in these, um, this standard is increase the number of viscometers from two to four, basically because the ASTM had four in it and it seemed to work. And one thing that we have done different from the ASTM is retain the old standards requirements for temperature control of 0.1 degree rather than 0.01 because we thought that the ASTM requirement was a bit overkill. In terms of other changes to the standard, we've adopted the ASTM calibration method and for an example of something old, the old method said that you needed could get calibration standards from CSIRO Division of Applied Physics, which doesn't exist anymore. It's probably called something else now. So what we've done is taken out those references to CSIRO Division of Applied Physics. One thing we've retained in this standard um, is that the equation for calculating dynamic viscosity has been retained. The ASTM requires you to do an extra density test and a test of measurement, uh, which is extra work for labs, so we've retained that equation. The second hot binder test method that we've had a look at um, is penetration, which is now an, an adoption of reference of ASTM D5, D5M19. Basically, this test on the, on the right-hand right side is you've got a bitumen sample in a penetration cup um, and you've got a needle which is a singer sewing needle in the original test you put a weight on that needle and then let the needle sink into the sample for a specific amount of time normally at 25 degrees and that tells you something about the hardness of the sample in terms of changes to the um, this test we've changed the units of penetration to, from penetration units to 0.1 millimetres, and that's been to be consistent with what's in the Australian bitumen specification AS2008 and what they do use in Europe. Um, penetration is one of the key bitumen tests in Europe, so we've tried to follow uh, what the Europeans do because they think this test is very important. The other things that we've done is references specific test methods for sample preparation. This one also had a vague temperature of pouring thing in it. One thing that we've done to simplify um, the, the transfer over to the ASTM is to say that this test is only applicable to binder samples which have penetrations of less than equal to 200.1 um, millimetres. That's not crazy because um, no binders that we really use in Australia or New Zealand are softer than that. We've basically done that because the ASTM um, contains information about lots of different size sample uh, containers and different penetration needles that you need for really soft samples. And by spe specifying the range to be above 200 um, penetration units, that got rid of all those complications.
Another thing that we've done um, is the old standard. Uh, when you do the ASTM, you, you put the sample in a bath, get it to normally 25 and then take it out and put it on the equipment. Some labs had a special little extra dish where you could keep the sample at 25 while you're doing the test, which seems a more sensible way of doing it. So we've allowed that in the new version of the test and retained it from the old one. The third hot binder test method that we've um, updated is softening point, which is widely used uh, for PMBs. And this is now an adoption by reference of ASTM D36, D36M, the 2014 version, the first change to it. That's what the E1 means. Again, this one now references specific standards or test methods for sample preparation. And one of the main benefits of doing this was that it is feasible to uh, replace an Austro's test method, AGPCT131 softening point of PMBs um, by this Australian standard. The current version of AGPT T131 basically just contained how to prepare the sample, follow the AS2341.18 and some reproducibility limits. So we've combined that into the new standard so the Austroge test method could be removed. Other changes that we've made um, is that in that beaker that was in the previous one, you can conduct this test either in water for low um, softening point materials or, or glycerol for high softening point materials. The old version of the standard said that you needed to use USP glycerin, which is a certain American grade, which you can't buy. So we replaced that by glycerol with a purity of 99%, which you can buy. The other things we've made um, for the um, changes to the standard is that we've adopted the two ASTM thermometers and you can also use a thermocouple to measure temperature, which essentially allows you to use the new automatic softening point devices in this test. And we've also, there's a discontinuity with the softening point in water and glycerol, uh, which wasn't well defined in the old version of the test. So we've better define that when you need to use water and when you need to use glycerol based on the requirements of the European standard. We've taken the European standard because again, the main tests in the European bitumen standard are penetration and softening point. And they had quite a good way of um, deciding whether you use glycerol and water between temperatures of 80 and 84 degrees. Other things that we've done are the report, reporting requirements have been changed to be consistent with the ASTM and precision limits have now been included for both bitumen and PMBs, which allows the Austroids test method to be replaced. So as I said um, earlier in the talk, if you've got some questions, please send them through and I will attempt to answer them. So that's the three hot binder test methods. Um, I'll just go through um, the revision of the national cutter specification and then finally I'll do the emulsion test methods. Updating of the national cut, cutter specifications has been a long several year process. 
and it involved initially completing uh, a several year Austroads project, um, APT 2063, key properties of cutters for optimal straight seal performance. This um, project provided the background for the changes to the specification and included in extensive laboratory studies to determine which test properties affected the performance of cutters in sprayed seals. The old version of um, AS3568 appeared to be an amalgamation of averaging of different properties specified by different Australian states. So the aim of this project was to find out which test properties actually affected the performance of cutters in sprayed seals. And the result of that project was that the main temp properties which affected cutter performance were the final boiling point of the cutter and the viscosity of the cutter at 40 degrees. Um, this report, this is basis of the update of um, the cutter specification is on the Austro's website. There's a picture of it over there um, and it, you can get it on that link that's right at the bottom of the slide. As a very big overview um, of changes to the, the cutter specification, the original version of the cutter specification contained four specifications for four different materials. Cutter oil, high flashpoint cutter, flux oil and heavy flux oil. Now I'll go from the bottom of that list to the top because it just makes it a bit easier to go through. As part of this project, we reviewed all jurisdictions of whether they used heavy flux oil, which is a very thick um, material, and that wasn't used by any of the Australian jurisdictions anymore. So that has now been removed from AS3568. Flux oil, um, we had some discussions during the project and the Bitumen Surfacing's technical group decided that flux oil was typically diesel and we should just let that meet the requirements of automotive diesel fuel rather than having a special specification uh, just for diesel used in road construction. The other two um, materials, cutter oil and high flashpoint cutter, have specified properties um, listed in the new version of the specification. And these basically include the performance-based test properties that were found in the Austro's project and occupational health and safety related properties such as Flashpoint. In terms of um, cutter oil and high Flashpoint um, cutter specified properties, there's tables in the standards. One of the main changes that we've made is that cutter oil used in sprayed seals can either meet the requirements of the table in the standard or can be certified Jet A1. So you can either buy a cutter that meets the requirements in the standard or you can buy Jet A1 from a supplier with a test certificate and that can be used as cutter oil. One of the main things that have changed in the table that's in there in the, is in the standard is there was originally requirements for aniline point and aromatic content and the results of the project showed that they didn't affect cutter performance so they've been removed. Another thing that we've done is that there was um, specifications for fluidity which was a bit funny it basically said the cutter had to be fluid which is a bit obvious and there was also a, a maximum requirement for uh, water content. 
basically we did a literature review and we found out that if the material passed the water content test it would be clear and if it failed it would be cloudy due to this we've replaced the, both the fluidity and water content requirements with a requirement for clean bright and visually clear of solid matter and dissolved water in terms of some other changes we've updated the test methods for flashpoint and density and the density requirements are now to be reported and not specified values because that those density numbers are basically uh, used to convert kilograms to litres when you buy the material. It isn't related to performance. So that's the national cutter specification. I'll just briefly go through the emulsion test methods. As I said before, the four that I've just talked about have all been published and revised versions are on the Australian Standards website. Um, but these ones that I'll go through now haven't been published yet. The first emulsion one we've, we've had a look at and that we're most, um, most progressed with uh, is AS2341.26 emulsion sieve residue. I'll put a picture of an emulsion sieve over there. Basically what you do is you um, weigh, put a certain amount of emulsion sample through that sieve and then wash it through with a surfactant or a soapy solution. If the um, emulsion contains large particles, they'll get re retained on that sieve and the sieve, the test basically measures the percentage of retained particles on that sieve. Ideally, you want it to be as low as possible. An initial draft um, of this standard has been prepared by the committee and it's currently out for public comment between July up until the 21st of September. So after this presentation, if every, anyone wants to have a look at the revised version of the standard or make any um, public comments, they can on the Australian Standard website. The changes that we've made to the um, standard include uh, making the recommended diameters for the two sieves used in the test the same, about 100 millimetre. And we've also reduced the amount of emulsion required from for the 710 micron sieve to from two litres to 200 grams. These two were made in response to um, requests from people who actually do these tests. We've also made the tests now applicable to samples with sieve residue results of um, less than or equal to 1%. Uh, that was basically from comments on Sean Beasley about worries about overloading the sieve and we've also included that the detergent solution needs to be um, dispensed from a plastic wash bottle. Basically if you put the emulsion in here and you try and tip a, a soap solution or surfactant solution through it you just don't have enough pressure to get the liquid emulsion through the sieve and if you use a plastic wash bottle that gives you enough force to get the liquid emulsion through the sieve. Another thing that we've done to try and um, cope with more high binder, 70% um, um, emulsions, which can be very thick, is that you can now dilute them with surfactant solution prior to putting them through the sieve so they're runny enough to go through the sieve. We've also re removed the requirement for distilled deionized water because that didn't seem to be necessary and we've updated the precision limits. 
As I said, this standard is currently out for public comment. So if you go to the website that I've listed below, um, you will get a list of all Australian standards that are currently open for public comment. Uh, if you go down the list, you will find this one. You do have to register with Standards Australia to have a look at the, um, like get a username and password to have a look at the standards and make public comments. The other two emulsion test methods, I'll just go through briefly, because uh, these are in a, a not as revised as much. We're currently looking uh, to prepare revised drafts of AS2341.9, which is water content by Dean and Stark of emulsions, and AS2341.30, which is emulsion residue. We're still in the process of getting the first draft, so I'll just give you an illustration of why we're updating these standards. In terms of the um, water content by Dean and Stark, one of the main issues with this standard is that it currently says that the Dean and Stark needs to meet the requirements of ASR 25 1962, which was published in 1962. Um, that standard, nobody can find a copy of it, and even Standards Australia don't have a copy in their archives. So it'd be very hard for a lab to say that their Dean and Stark require, um, apparatus meets the current requirements of the standards. Um, the standard is currently applicable to bitumen emulsions and road tars, and we don't use road tars anymore, so that needs to come out. It needs to reference the Australian standard for sample preparation of emulsions. And another problem with this standard seems to be that the precision statements are far even smaller than the accuracy of the test, so they need to be reviewed as well. Um, in terms of emulsion residue, um, this is being revised mainly for health and safety reasons because the test currently requires the use of a stirring thermometer. You basically have to put some emulsion in a tin and put it on a hot plate and then the method currently says stir it with the thermometer which isn't good practice. So that mainly needs to be revised for health and safety reasons. Another thing with um, this standard is that the type of reagent used in the test currently says a two to one mixture of methylated spirits and water but it doesn't actually say what the two to one is. I think it's by volume, but that needs to be defined. The other thing that needs to be defined is that what type of methylated spirits. In terms of labs, they normally buy it from a hardware store. So I think we need to change that standard so that it reflects that you can buy it from the local hardware store um, and that grade is sufficient. And again, it just needs to reference the, um, the sample preparation standard. So those three standards are currently under revision, um, one of which is going for public comment, um, and that's the status of those. In terms of future ones, there are some other um, emulsion methods that need updating. Um, emulsion sedimentation, there's been a request by the committee to update that as the current um, method requires you to do Dean and Stark water contents on the top and bottom of fractions of the samples and it would be far quicker and just as accurate to use evaporation residue. The emulsion setting time 
needs to be updated, uh, basically because the aggregate that's specified in the test is no longer available. And also the, finally, the national emulsion specification needs to be updated. So just as a summary, this is the last slide of the webinar. This gives you a list of each of the standards and the status of currently they're being revised to. So in terms of AS2341.3, kinematic viscosity, penetration, softening point, and the cutter specification, revised versions are available from Standards Australia, and you can use that web link below. In terms of the emulsion test methods, uh, the sieve residue test method, a draft has been submitted for public comment, and the closing date for public comments is the 21st of September. So anybody listening to the webinar can make some comments and submit them to Standards Australia. In terms of the other two um, standards, Dark water content and emulsion residue, initial drafts are being prepared by the CH025 committee in conjunction with a, a working group, uh, CH025 emulsion working group, that's also providing input to the standards. So that's the end of the webinar. Uh, yeah, if you've got any questions, um, this is time to do it. Thanks so much, uh, Robert. Uh, we do have a number of questions and I will start with the uh, slide where you talked about the project background. So you said that we currently have 33 standards and many of them haven't been updated in 20 years. So why these four out of 33 were reviewed? Okay. Um, the original for the, the cutter specification, there was over the past few decades an appreciation that what was specified in the specification, you couldn't actually buy those materials anymore. Um, the other ones, the process has been several years and I can't remember the exact reasons why they were updated. A softening point is possibly because a new softening point apparatus got put into the market. I see. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next question then. Um, in slide 12, you said that some standards can be used to measure the properties of uh, polymer modified binders. And we have a question from a participant. Um, so how relevant is it to evaluate dynamic viscosity uh, for PMBEs as mixing and compaction temperatures uh, of PMBEs using dynamic viscosity are not appropriate. And another part of that question, so are there any other methods used in Australia for mixing uh, and compaction temperatures for PMBEs? Um, okay. The measurements like Brookfield viscosity, dynamic viscosity, um, are appropriate to look at different sort of mixing and compaction temperatures based on the original stuff that was done on the Shell Bitumen Handbook, which talks about um, what viscosity ranges you need for compaction and and compaction and mixing. Um, so I think dynamic viscosity measurements like that are appropriate. Um, and you would have to use that test method at a variety of different temperatures to get the viscosity measurements in the right ranges for mixing and compaction. 
All right, uh, thank you. So I'm just going to take us to slide 21, where you talked about kinematic viscosity, and we have quite a few questions in relation to that. Um, so what method uh, is being used in Australia currently for finding uh, kinematic viscosity for uh, reclaimed asphalt pavement binders? Um, so is the conventionally used kinematic viscosity approach for an age binder still appropriate? Um, and also, what is the lowest value of uh, penetration which is suitable? I can repeat any of these questions if you need me to. Yeah, I might need the last one. The last one. Yeah. So, um, what is what is the lowest value of penetration which is suitable? In yeah, in I terms can, of yeah, I can give a bit of a clarification for this one. So. Um, for example, if we go for penetration for uh, a um, RAP binder, it may sometimes go down to 20 or so. So therefore, it is appropriate for binding penetration value for um, hardened binders such as uh, RAP. Yeah. Normally with RAP, um, you normally take uh, a binder and extract it and you don't actually get that much material when you use the standard Ostros process. Normally the tests that are being done um, and there's a there's Ostros test methods on determining what you should mix with the wrap binder and they're based on the DSR, um, the kinematic and you work out the complex viscosity of the binders. Kinematic viscosity is, is mainly used for um, bitumens at high temperatures, it doesn't go up to very viscous material, so you can't use it. And in terms of penetration, generally the, the Ostro's methods are saying use the complex viscosity route rather than the penetration route, basically because when you extract the wrap binder, you don't get very much. I see. Uh, thank you. Well, speaking um, of the requirements for temperature control, so you said that they have been retained um, in in this method. Um, so could you tell us why? Um, the, the basic reason is that we had a look at the the ASTM in terms of both kinematic and dynamic viscosity. Um, requires the water bath to be a 0.01 degrees, which is quite a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. The main reason we retained um, the, the 0.1 in the um, kinematic viscosity test is that the dynamic viscosity test, which measures viscosity at 60, which is one of the main things in the bitumen specification, um, the water bath only needs to be to 0.1 and it seemed silly to the, the kinematic viscosity is normally used at high temperatures at 135 that that needed to be more accurate than the one at 60 which is the most important testing in terms of bitumen specification requirements mm -hmm. um, you also said that there was an, uh, the increase in the type of viscometers so why two more viscometers were added to the method um, that was basically done for more flexibility um, in the method. The ASTM included all those four 
viscometers, um, and it appeared that, yeah, they all seem to work and been used in the past, and it seemed to be sensible to give labs flexibility if they needed it. So that, that's why all four that were in ASTM were included. Thank you. Uh, and we have a question um, about the adoption of some of the um, standards from ASTM. Uh, and the question is, uh, so does this adoption now mean that um, uh, laboratories will be uh, required to be accredited by NATA again? Um, no, they won't be because we've written it in a way that you still need to be accredited for the Australian standard and the Australian standard happens to reference the ASTM. So um, you, you don't need to get um, NADA endorsement for the ASTM test method. Good, thank you. Uh, and we have a question about the softening test uh, methods. Um, so are they used to predict a high uh, temperature? Um, let me just find the uh, question. So are they used to predict high temperature shear resistance of the pavement, uh, pavement uh, mixtures? Okay, um, yeah, softening point can give you a general idea of the rutting resistance of, of bitumen's mixtures, uh, um, where lower softening points are more inclined to rut than higher softening points. However, we've done a number of Ostrode studies over the years. I think the last was in 2010, where softening point in itself isn't a fantastic predictor of rutting resistance. Mm -hmm. We've included a new test in the Australian PMB specification, AS3110, called Consistency 6%, where we've found a correlation between that test parameter and rutting performance in a wide variety of, of different asphalt mixes. That's uh, thank you. Uh, and we have a next question that is uh, in relation to summary. Um, so, when can we expect that uh, um, CH025 uh, committee um, to finish its work on updating the Australian and uh, New Zealand standards covering, covering um, these materials? Okay, um, it's a bit hard to um, give a date. It's, it's a work in progress. I mean, if you have a look at what we're doing, we're currently um, updating um, five of those standards um, and the next one would be the emulsion specification which is going to be a tricky one uh, because it currently doesn't include polymer modified emulsions so there'll need to be some discussions about that in terms of the one that's the standards that are current there is also some cutback tests and specifications that we haven't touched yet so we'd need to have a conversation with Austro's members about whether we need to update them. The other thing um, is I've been doing this since about 2012. So in an ideal world, standards should be updated every um, 10 years. And that brings us to about 2022, which isn't too far away. Mm -hmm. 
uh, thank you, Robert. And we just got another question. So are chrome um, rubber modified binders used in Australia? And what are the relevant specifications for testing uh, CRMB in the laboratory and field? What was the second part of the question? What are the relevant specifications for testing uh, CRMB in the laboratory and field? Okay. Um, yeah, chrome rubber uh, binders are quite extensively used in um, Australia, uh, particularly for spray seals. And there's three binder grades that are listed in the ATS 3110 with specified properties without going into exactly what they are. It is in the Austro's document ATS 3110, and they're essentially the same tests um, that are done on other types of PMBs that are used in Australia. We are um, involved in uh, Austro's crumb rubber project for asphalt. There's been some work done by Queensland and Western Australia to develop binders for asphalt and they're currently specified in terms of more um, US tests and the aim of the new Austro's project is to try and specify those properties in terms of more conventional Australian PMB test properties. Oh, thank you. Um, and one of our participants uh, is asking if you could repeat the writing resistance indicator explanation. Writing resistance indicator. Okay. Um, I think that was about softening point. Um, as I said, it, it doesn't, what we did uh, in 2010 is we took some asphalt mixes and we put all sorts of different asphalt mix and put lots of different binders in them and and then plotted that against softening point and the softening point was okay but not fantastic at produce, um, predicting the rutting resistance over time um, and there's a couple of papers and and um, Austro's reports on this We've found a parameter called um, consistency 6% that's done with the elastometer, um, does correlate with rutting resistance. And we've done it in about four or five mixed designs where we've had a look at the rutting performance versus the consistency parameter. Um, that's done with an Australian piece of equipment called an elastometer. And there's currently a Austro's project on to see if we can do that same test, which we've seen correlates with rutting resistance with the DSR and that project's in progress at the moment. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. Um, and we have one more question. Um, so how can it be ensured that Australian and New Zealand labs uh, provide road agencies with robust test results when they uh, undertake testing? Well, that's a bit of outside the scope of standards, but what, what this committee is trying to do is um, make tolerable um, Australian standards that can be followed and can be used, um, like updating stuff that you can't buy. The other parts of the process in giving robust um, test results includes um, NADA accreditation and making sure that laboratories meet um, NADA process and those laboratories have the correct um, documentation and are performing the tests um, correctly, which is covered by another accreditation. 
Thank you. So when uh, would it be expected from the industry to move to the new standard? Um, in terms of the three hot binder test methods, um, as they've been updated, um, labs should actually be using them now. Uh, in terms of the um, national cutter specification, that is now out and it's up to individual jurisdictions to um, reference that document if they want to in their in their specification documents and then that standard would be applicable. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Uh, and I think this brings us to uh, the end of our Q&A. Uh, we have a few minutes left. Um, thanks for your very interesting presentation and thanks to all of our participants uh, and your questions. Um, so before we wrap up, I wanted to let you know uh, about the next webinars on our schedule. So we have been working with our member agencies to develop a national training framework and pre-qualification scheme for temporary traffic management. So the draft documents are now uh, released for industry comments. And on the 17th and 18th of August, we will hold two webinars to provide an overview of the drafts and answer any questions practitioners have about the framework and the scheme. So join us for these sessions or uh, pass the invitation on to your colleagues who you think might benefit from these webinars. And on the 20th of August, we will talk about a new framework and tools proposed by Ostroads to help heavy vehicle operators and um, road asset owners make clear and consistent road freight access decisions. So uh, please visit our website to register. Um, thanks again to our presenter, Robert. And thanks Thank um, to all of you for being with us today. We hope the information um, we presented uh, is useful for your work. Um, after we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Please take a few minutes to fill it in. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, and what suggestions you have for our future webinars. And thanks again to everyone. Um, stay well and safe um, and enjoy the rest of your day. We hope to see you next time.